Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the last edition of Charts with Dan for the year 2021. We're a day later than usual because yesterday I went into my usual routine. I did some prep Sunday night. I got up. I was waiting for the final numbers to come in, and they didn't come in yesterday. I got up today. The final numbers still haven't come in. So I guess Sony has, well, they do have a lot of money to count, to be fair, but we still don't have final numbers from Sony for any of the holiday weekend and even yesterday, uh, Monday, we have some estimates. Those have been folded into a lot of the figures for today, but I decided, you know, we just got to pull the trigger. So I like to wait until I have final, final numbers because I like to bring you the most accurate and up-to-date information, but we don't have those and I didn't want to delay the show another day. So apologies in advance, although I really can't do anything to help that, but the Spider-Man numbers as well as a couple of the other movies are based on the estimates given that we don't have the finals yet. Before we get started, I want to thank today's sponsor, Carbon Health, who will be a sponsor of Charts well into 2022. I'm very happy to be in a partnership with them because I like what they're doing, which is to help provide accessible and affordable health care for everyone. If you're traveling as we approach the new year, you're away from home and you feel like you may need medical attention, you can download the Carbon Health app to see if there is a Carbon Health facility near you. In addition, with all this news of the Omicron variant seeming to spread even more quickly, Carbon Health also provides COVID testing. They've performed over 1.5 million COVID tests so far. Again, if you're traveling and you feel like you need a COVID test, at-home testing right now is very difficult to come by. Get that Carbon Health app, see if there's a facility near you, and they'll be able to do that test there as well. Let's jump into the holiday weekend this past weekend, uh, Friday through Sunday, and also what you could call the five-day holiday weekend, which would be Wednesday through Sunday, because we had some movies that opened last Wednesday. But as we knew what happened, Spider-Man No Way Home stays on top for the three-day holiday weekend, $84.5 million. We will put those numbers in perspective in just a few minutes. Sing 2 in second place with $22.3 million. The Matrix Resurrections, there was thought that Sing might top the Matrix, but the Matrix really did not deliver uh, anywhere close to what people were expecting, even given the hybrid HBO Max release. Third place, a distant third with $12 million. The Kingsman in fourth place with $5.9 million. Another disappointing result for that film. And then uh, this is another estimate on American Underdog, which is a story about Rams quarterback and later Cardinals quarterback Kurt Warner at $5.89 million. But it is very possible that it could have perhaps taken that number four spot. We just don't have a final number for that film in yet. So those are the three-day numbers. Let's look at the five-day numbers, and you see that from last Wednesday through Sunday, this encompasses the full openings of Sing 2, Matrix Resurrection, Kingsman, and American Underdog. Spider-Man was the number one movie with $141.6 million over that holiday week. Sing 2 in second place with $37.9 million. The Matrix Resurrections in third with $22.5 million. The Kingsman with $9.5 million, and American Underdog with six. And when we look at the Spider-Man numbers, just kind of stepping back from everything, there are a couple of things I wanted to note. Number one, the numbers are good on Spider-Man, but they could have been even better. When you look at the way that the schedule fell, 
Christmas Eve and the beginning part of Christmas Day are not particularly strong movie-going times. That was the Friday and Saturday of its quote-unquote second weekend. So we saw a a, a substantial drop. I think it was around 68% between weekend one and weekend two. But that was partially because you had a day and a half there, really, that have traditionally a little bit of a lower attendance. That starts picking up on Christmas night. Sunday's a big day. And then this week is also big because there's a lot of people that are still not working. A lot of people still not in school. That's why Spider-Man did, I think, around $25 million yesterday. It's because people are still going to the movies. Something else that's interesting, and it just kind of goes about narrative and how people report about movies they like versus movies they may not like, is back in 2017, there was a similar situation where The Last Jedi, in its second weekend, its Sunday was Christmas Eve, which is not a very big movie-going day. And so it had a big drop in its second weekend. As a matter of fact, it was almost identical to the drop that Spider-Man No Way Home had right around 70%. And I remember very much at that time that there were so many stories about The Last Jedi and what a disaster it was because it had this massive drop in its second weekend, the biggest drop in the history of Star Wars. Here you have something with Spider-Man No Way Home Almost exactly the same thing happened. One day of its window was in a very low day of box office attendance. It had a big drop right around 70%. And yet, I haven't seen those same stories. I haven't seen the stories about how Spider-Man No Way Home is a massive disaster or how the MCU is in trouble, etc. Because people like that movie more. So you don't see that kind of thing. This is why I say you can't just take the numbers at face value all the time. You have to do research. You have to look into why they are the way that they are because they can be spun just like any other piece of information to support the pre-existing narrative that somebody already has. So that was something that I found very interesting that there were just not all of these news stories on different sites and YouTube, etc. about what a disaster Spider-Man No Way Home was because it had a 70% drop in its second weekend because people weren't invested in that narrative. Very interesting thing. So when we look at the weekend just in general compared to the 2019 box office, we see after finally topping the box office in week 51 versus 2019, we dip well below that figure by over $50 million for the last week of 2021. So back to the pattern. And now that we have a full year's pattern, and I've been pointing this out throughout the year, when you look at what the box office did this year, it followed the same patterns as it usually does. It's just that... With the exception of week 51, we can never quite do as much as 2019 did. But we're going to keep this going. I'm going to continue tracking the 2022 box office as we go, comparing it to 2021. How did we do uh, versus different weeks of the year? Before we get into the numbers with Spider-Man and where it's standing in the record books, etc., I did want to say a few words about The Matrix Resurrections because that was a big story this weekend. It did not do great uh, at the box office. As I mentioned, $22.5 million over its first five days. Something that we've looked at though with these HBO Max films in particular was how did it do on streaming because that was part of Warner's strategy this year this was the last film in this rollout for 2021 of all their movies going theatrical uh, and day and date on HBO Max at the same time and when we look at the numbers from Samba TV which as we talked about is not representative of the complete number of people that watch these films. But when you can compare them against other numbers that Samba TV is reporting, you can get some measure of comparison. According to Samba TV, The Matrix Resurrections pulled in about 2.8 million viewers in its first five days. That is lower 
than Godzilla vs. Kong. Godzilla vs. Kong brought in about 3.6 million viewers in its first five days. Also keep in mind that Godzilla vs. Kong opened to $31 million, so $9 million higher than Matrix Resurrections in three days instead of five days and in 500 fewer theaters. So what we're looking at here, I think, is a combination of low demand, it's been almost 20 years since the last Matrix film. How many people were actually clamoring for the fourth film? And also, really bad word of mouth. The critical score was fresh but low for this movie. The audience score uh, trending downward. Word of mouth, particularly on social media, not good on The Matrix Resurrections. So we have here a film that I think you can't chalk up and say, like, well, everybody stayed home and watched it on HBO Max. Because when you have a comparable movie with Godzilla vs. Kong, more people watched it on HBO Max and more people went to see it at the movie theater despite the fact that back in March the theatrical business was uh, much different. I don't think the Matrix skews old enough that you can look at the turnout like we did for example with West Side Story and say well the virus really uh, depressed turnout for this movie compared to that other movie. I think that the audiences are too similar for this movie and other movies that are succeeding in the marketplace. So I think what you have here is just a movie that not a whole lot of people liked and maybe not a whole lot of people wanted. Keep in mind, the streaming thing is not going away. It's already been announced, for example, just this week that the Batman will have a theatrical exclusivity window, but only 45 days. Warners has announced that the Batman will hit HBO Max on its 46th day of release. So even though we are going to go back to windows where movies are exclusively theatrical, the time between when it's in theaters and when it's available at home and how it's available at home is still very much in flux. Let's talk about Spider-Man No Way Home and where it stands as far as all-time grosses and studio grosses. First of all, looking at the 10-day opening. So these are the top five domestic grosses through 10 days. For a while, Spider-Man No Way Home was running neck and neck with Star Wars The Force Awakens, but Force Awakens has now started to pull away. So when we look at the top grosses through 10 days of release, Black Panther's at number five with just over 400 million. Avengers Infinity Wars at number four with 453 million. Spider-Man No Way Home is in third place with $470 million through 10 days. This takes it through the end of the box office day on Sunday. Of course, these are estimates, so that number may go up. Then you have a big gap. You have Star Wars The Force Awakens at number two with $540 million and Avengers Endgame with $620 million. So what we're seeing here is Spider-Man No Way Home continuing to pace ahead of Avengers Infinity War, falling off the pace of Star Wars The Force Awakens. But keep in mind that The Force Awakens is the highest domestic grossing film of all time. So it's not so bad that you're falling off of that pace because it's a pretty unsustainable pace unless you're going to top those numbers. When we look at Spider-Man grosses all time, it is already the number one grossing Spider-Man film after 10 days of release. It tops 2002's Spider-Man, which was the number one domestic Spider-Man grosser. So we now have Spider-Man 3 in the fifth spot with Spider-Man 2 at number four, Spider-Man Far From Home at number three, Spider-Man now at number two, and Spider-Man No Way Home at number one as it approaches $500 million. That $495 million mark, by the way, is inclusive of yesterday's box office, the estimated numbers that were sent in. So that is current as of today. When we adjust for inflation, Spider-Man No Way Home still has some 
work to do. You see Spider-Man Far From Home at number five, Spider-Man 3 at number four, Spider-Man No Way Home adjusted for inflation now, the third highest grossing Spider-Man film domestically with $495 million. It will top Spider-Man 2 because Spider-Man 2 is in second place with $542 million. No Way Home is probably going to be there by the end of the day tomorrow. And then you have Spider-Man with $626 million. If I had to wager, I would say that Spider-Man No Way Home is probably going to hit that mark as well. So I think that we're going to have a new number one domestic grossing Spider-Man film, no matter which way you cut it. If you want to look at the raw numbers, if you want to adjust for inflation, I think Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be the number one grossing Spider-Man film of all time. When we look at Sony, the top five grosses all time, Spider-Man 2 at number five, Spider-Man Far From Home at number four, Spider-Man at number three, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. People forget just how big of a movie that was. Prior to Spider-Man No Way Home, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle was the highest grossing film in the history of Sony Pictures. That record has now been obliterated by Spider-Man No Way Home with $495 million. So now the highest grossing film from Sony Pictures of all time. And when you adjust for inflation and look at the history of Sony, or as it was known before, Columbia, Spider-Man No Way Home, not quite yet in that top five. Number five is Tootsie with $523.7 million, followed by Spider-Man 2 with $542 million, Spider-Man with $626 million, essentially tied with 1984's Ghostbusters, also with $626 million, 626.4. As a matter of fact, depending on how you adjust for inflation, some people would have those two transposed and have Spider-Man at number two. And then you see number one, Close Encounters of the Third Kind at $685 million. So if Spider-Man No Way Home can get to about that $700 million domestic mark, which is not out of reach for it if it continues to track the way that it's doing, then it will also be the highest grossing film in the history of Sony Pictures, both when you look at the raw numbers and when you adjust for inflation. It will most definitely be in that top five. Looking at the MCU in general, the top five highest grossing films in the MCU, Spider-Man No Way Home has broken into the top five. It is the fifth highest grossing MCU film. It's got a little ways to cover with the Avengers at number four with $623.3 million. Then we have Infinity War with $678 million. As I mentioned, Spider-Man No Way Home tracking ahead of Infinity War. So it looks like we're going to be looking at at least a number that big unless something drastic happens, which honestly could happen. Then we have Black Panther at number two with just over $700 million and Avengers Endgame with $858.3 million. Now, Spider-Man No Way Home is not getting to Avengers Endgame's number. That's not going to happen, not domestically and not worldwide. But if it can get to $700 million, it could very easily be the second highest grossing film of all time in the MCU, supplanting Black Panther. We're just going to have to see how it does in the days and weeks ahead. It is certainly within reach. When we look at the top per theater average, Spider-Man No Way Home, number one, $19,494 per theater in 4,336 theaters. So theater owners still enjoying a nice return from Spider-Man No Way Home in its second weekend. And then when we look at the limited release films, so these are movies that are in 1,000 theaters or fewer, so you're not going to see a movie like No Way Home on here. Licorice Pizza had a big expansion to 786 theaters in its fifth week of release. It is number one on the limited release chart with $1.9 million. At number two is a movie from India. It is called 83. It's the story of the 1983 Indian World Cup 
Cricket team. It was delayed from an April 2020 release due to the pandemic. It was number two at the limited release box office in 480 theaters at $1.7 million. So continued success in limited release, very targeted and successful release strategy for films from India. The A24 film Red Rocket in its third week stays at number three with $150,000. Parallel Mothers, the latest film from Pedro Almodovar, is in third place in just three theaters with $38,249. And in fifth place, the Japanese film Drive My Car in 16 theaters brings in $19,172. There are a couple of movies that are not on this chart that are notable. One of them is The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is from Joel Cohen. It stars Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington. Apple is releasing the movie on its streaming service in 2022, but it opened in a select number of theaters. Reportedly, it made about $110,000, which would put it on this chart. However, like the other streaming services, Apple is choosing not to share its box office grosses. So there are no official numbers on how it did. Exhibitors, etc., are reporting it did about 110k, but I don't include those numbers because they're not official. Uh, still a source of frustration. I really do wish that these streamers would repeat, report their numbers. I don't know why they're not because it keeps them out of the conversation theatrically. I don't think that helps their award chances or their visibility, but whatever. They're going to do what they're going to do. We just have to get used to it at this point. Another movie I wanted to note, it, it wasn't on this list, but it's a movie called Memoria, and it brought in a little under $7,000, so not a particularly remarkable performance but the thing about the film that is remarkable it stars Tilda Swinton which yes that's remarkable but there's another thing that's remarkable which is that the movie is going to play in perpetuity in one theater at a time for one week at a time and then it'll move to the next city so it will never be in more than one theater and it will never be released digitally or on home video so literally the only way you will ever be able to see this movie is if you live in a city or go to a city where this movie is playing that particular week this is almost kind of like a performance art kind of thing but a memoria making seven thousand dollars but you're probably going to see this thing on the chart for quite some time because it's literally just going to be a traveling road show from week to week and you can only see it in one place at a time let's look at the christmas weekend internationally spider-man no way home easily the number one film at 121 million four hundred thousand dollars at number two is a movie that was actually on the chart last week but under a different name it's called fireflies in the sun but it's being marketed as sheep without a shepherd 2 this is a movie that is a remake of the denzel washington film from the early 2000s called john q and it's called Fireflies in the Sun, but it's being marketed under the name Sheep Without a Shepherd 2 because that is a popular name uh, for a film that succeeded in the past. So we have a film uh, in Fireflies in the Sun that is being sold as a sequel to a previous film, despite sharing nothing in common with the movie that came before it, just capitalizing on the name recognition. On a related note, The Matrix Resurrections was a close number two internationally with $35 million, followed by Encanto with $19.2 million, and then another Chinese film, Be For Busy, with $10.2 million. So if you take the international market, combine it with the domestic market, we get the top five worldwide, and Spider-Man No Way Home with over $200 million, $202.9 million, followed by The Matrix Resurrections with $47 million, Sing 2 with $42.9 million, 
Fireflies in the Sun with 35.8 million, and The King's Man with 13.2 million. Perhaps the biggest piece of news about Spider-Man No Way Home is that over the holiday, it became the latest film to join the $1 billion club, and it did so in really good time. When we look at the films that were the fastest to a billion dollars, the quickest was Avengers Endgame. It took it five days to gross a billion dollars. Second quickest was Avengers Infinity War, 11 days. But you see Spider-Man No Way Home and The Force Awakens both tied for the third quickest films to $1 billion in just 12 days. In 12 days of release, Spider-Man No Way Home was able to hit that mark. That's pretty impressive. And it's even more impressive when you consider the way that the market has worked for Spider-Man No Way Home. There's been a continuing conflict between the MCU and China, and honestly between a lot of Hollywood studios in China. We have seen so many movies, including Venom and a lot of the Disney films, the Marvel films from this year that have never come out in China. Spider-Man No Way Home has not come out in China. It has been a big chunk of the box office for a lot of the films that have crossed a billion dollars worldwide. As a matter of fact, since 2010, there are only two films that have crossed $1 billion worldwide without a Chinese release. One of them is Joker. The other one is Spider-Man No Way Home. So especially considering that China has been a huge chunk of the money for so many movies that have crossed a billion dollars, particularly in the 2010s going into the 2020s when China was much more of a world market, was letting more films in that were drawing big grosses. For No Way Home to do what it did in the time that it did without China is something else that is really impressive. No Way Home is also a big grosser for Sony worldwide. When we look at the top five Sony pictures all-time worldwide grossers, Spider-Man No Way Home is at number three, $1 It's already passed Spider-Man 3 and Jumanji. It's only the third Sony film ever to pass $1 billion. And then look, I mean, it could very well be past this point already. Uh, Skyfall is at number two with one billion one hundred and ten million. Spider-Man: Far From Home at number one with one billion one hundred thirty-two million. So that is one thing that is most definitely going to happen. Not only is Spider-Man: No Way Home going to be a billion-dollar grosser, it is also going to be the top-grossing film in Sony Pictures history, both domestically and worldwide. It's also, I was reading a story in Deadline today, already turning a profit, uh, a couple hundred million dollar profit as it stands. There are reports saying that if it could get to that $700 million domestic mark, which as I said, I think is very much within reach, it could profit to the tune of half a billion dollars or more. So this is not just a big box office success. This is going to be a huge profitable movie for Sony and also Disney. They split the cost. Disney fronted 25% of the production costs. Sony fronted the other 75%. That means that Disney gets 25% of the profit. Sony gets 75%. So the mouse, as with everything else, it seems like this day these days, gets a cut of Spider-Man's success. But Sony uh, is also going to have plenty left over for them. I mean, this is... Uh, when, when we went into Spider-Man No Way Home, I said this is going to be the movie I think that you can say was a success and you don't have to put any sort of uh, pandemic asterisks on it. But this is an unqualified success no matter what time of year, when it came out, etc. There's really no way to spin it as anything but an absolute triumph, an absolute success box office-wise. And it's still going. I mean, we're going to see this thing going 
through January. There's no competition this weekend, literally. There are no new movies opening this upcoming weekend. Really, its biggest box office competition doesn't come until the newest Scream movie opens, and that's well into January. So this thing has got some runway. None of the other movies that are out are posing any kind of competition whatsoever. You don't have a Greatest Showman. You don't have a Jumanji. You don't have something out there that's plucking people away. Sing 2 did well, but I don't think it's drawing a whole lot of eyeballs away from Spider-Man No Way Home. This is going to be very interesting to see just how high it goes. When we look at the 2021 box office worldwide, Spider-Man No Way Home is now the number one grossing film of the year with over $1 billion, the first post-pandemic billion-dollar grosser. It knocks the battle at Lake Shangjin down to number two. It knocks High Mom down to number three. So China, even though it will generate the most total box office this year, will not have the highest grossing film of 2021 worldwide. That will be Spider-Man No Way Home. No Time to Die drops one spot to number four. F9 drops one spot to number five. Detective Chinatown 3 drops one spot to number six. Venom Let There Be Carnage stays at number seven, but it has crossed the half billion dollar mark. That is another Sony film. They do not have to split that money with Disney. So that's another half billion dollar hit from Sony. They're having a good year. Godzilla vs. Kong is at number eight. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings at number nine. And Eternals at number 10 with $400 million. So we see now uh, in what looks to be like it's likely to be close, to, at least close to the final box office chart of 2021. Uh, six American films, No Time to Die, and American British co-production. So you can, let's say six and a half, and then three films from China on the final 2021 worldwide box office list. There could be some adjustment there. Let's look at the 2021 box office domestically. I mean, this was no contest from the second day that Spider-Man was in release. Spider-Man No Way Home at number one, very close to crossing $500 million domestically. Shang-Chi at number two, Venom, Let There Be Carnage at three, Black Widow at four, F9 at five, Eternals at number six, No Time to Die at seven, A Quiet Place Part Two at eight, Free Guy at nine, Ghostbusters Afterlife at number 10. There could be some adjustments here. I think that it's pretty likely that Ghostbusters Afterlife is going to jump over Free Guy to be the number nine movie of the year, but I think it's going to stop right there. Other than that, I don't really see a whole lot of things changing places. Now, you never know. Dune, uh, on top of the award season, could have a surge at the box office, but it's going to be coming out on home media pretty soon. So this could very well be your top 10 for 2021 domestically as well with Spider-Man No Way Home being obviously the big winner. Before we look at what people are watching on the streaming services, I always like to do a little box office flashback. And this week we are going back to 2012, December 28th through 30th. And this is one of those markets that was very competitive. It was unlike what we've seen this past weekend. The Hobbit, an unexpected journey in its third week, stayed at number one with $31.9 million, But Django Unchained was hot on its heels at $30.1 million. It also had opened a few days earlier. So the gross was much higher than $30 million. But even having opened several days earlier, Django was still at number two. Then you had Les Miserables at number three with $27.2 million. So a lot of competition there for that number one spot. At number four is a movie I don't even remember existing. It's called Parental Guidance. It starred Billy Crystal and Bette Midler, and it made $14.5 million. I don't have any memory of this movie ever coming out, but apparently it did. And at number five, in its second week, the Tom Cruise vehicle Jack Reacher with $13.6 million.
Let's end the show as we always do by looking at what people are watching on the various streaming services. And we'll start with Amazon. No Time to Die is at number one, also available now for rent as well as purchase. Venom Let There Be Carnage is at number two. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City hit premium video on demand. It enters the chart at number three. Spider-Man Far From Home is at number four. The Amazing Spider-Man is at number five. The Grinch at number six. F9 coming back onto the chart at number seven. Spider-Man Homecoming is at number eight, followed by Free Guy at number nine. And people watching the movie that Mara and I watched on Christmas night, Die Hard, getting it up there on the charts good enough for number 10. When you look over at iTunes, No Time to Die is number one there as well, followed by Venom Let There Be Carnage and Spider-Man Far From Home. How the Grinch Stole Christmas is at number four, followed by The Last Duel. Spencer, which is really still generating a lot of awards buzz for Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana, available for purchase and rental now, comes in at number six, followed by Free Guy, Spider-Man Homecoming, The Grinch, and then The Amazing Spider-Man, which was not on the chart last week, jumping into the top 10 this week. And finally, when we look at Netflix, as we've been doing, we are now looking at hours watched and global numbers. The top 10 most watched programs on Netflix globally, and remember, this is a bit delayed on its reporting. This is for the week of December 13th through December 19th. The Witcher Season 2, by a factor of two, the most watched program on Netflix. 142.4 million hours watched in its first week, followed by the Sandra Bullock movie, The Unforgivable. Money Heist Part 5 drops down to number three. The first season of The Witcher, so a lot of people, I think, starting the show or catching up uh, before Season 2 started. At 49.1 million hours watched, good enough for number four, followed by The Queen of Flow Season 2. That drops two spots. The original movie, Back to the Outback, makes an entry onto the chart at number six, followed by the third season of Titans, which is an original series for Netflix outside of the United States at number seven. A California Christmas is at number eight. Lost in Space season three drops the most on this chart this week. Five spots to number nine. And then The King's Affection from South Korea season one jumps into the overall top 10 most watched programs globally. When you look at the 10 most watched movies, The Unforgivable is number one, followed by Back to the Outback and A California Christmas City of Lights at number three. Red Notice is still on the chart at number four, followed by Anonymously Yours at five. The Shack, Spider-Man Homecoming, and John Wick Chapter 3, all Hollywood films not available for streaming in the U.S., but available elsewhere worldwide, are at numbers 6, 7, and 8. And then at numbers 9 and 10, The Christmas Chronicles and The Christmas Chronicles 2, The Chronicles of Kurt Russell as Santa Claus, as I like to call them, uh, both entertaining Christmas movies. A lot of people watching that in the week leading up to the holiday season. And finally, the 10 most watched series on Netflix, The Witcher Season 2 at number 1, Money Heist Part 5 at number 2, The Witcher Season 1 at number 3, followed by The Queen of Flow Season 2 and Titans Season 3, Lost in Space Season 3 and The King's Affection are at 6 and 7, the first season of Squid Game, 14 weeks strong, still on the chart at number 8, and then two new entries, Selling Tampa Season 1 at number 9, and The Queen of Flow Season 1, people wanting to start that show at number 10. And that does it for charts this week. I will be back next week, final numbers or no final numbers, with the first charts episode of 2022. But you don't have to wait until then to see more of this show because coming up on New Year's Eve, I will have a very special video. It will be called The Year in Coco Melon. And we're going to be looking back at all of the charts this year that included Coco Melon. You'll get to watch my descent into madness as I spiral into conspiracy theories, all culminating in the exciting 
exciting finale when Coco Melon finally dropped off the 10 most watched shows in the United States chart. It's going to be a really fun video and fun just to kind of revisit this year, see what was on the charts on Netflix. Uh, and, you know, it was just this silly little thing that helped to liven stuff up this year. A lot of you had fun with it. I had a lot of fun with it. So what better way to end the year than by a look back at how Coco Melon dominated so much of the Netflix chart over 2021. Thank you so much for watching. Stay tuned. There's still more to come here on the channel, including my best and worst of 2021. You're going to see that very soon. Also, the book of Boba Fett premieres tonight. I'll be bringing you my thoughts on the first episode. If you want to see even more of what I'm up to, you can check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. And don't forget that you can listen to everything I do here on the channel as an audio podcast. You can find those links, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcast, you can probably find the link down there in the description below. Thanks again to our sponsor, Carbon Health. I'll see you back here on charts in 2022, but a lot of 2021 fun still to be had on the channel. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you next time. Bye.